Hey everybody, this is C-Dub, and welcome to this week's edition of the C-Dub Pro Wrestling Podcast. I want to just start off today's, or this week's episode, by paying my respects to Jay Briscoe, who died tragically Tuesday at the age of 38. Um, At 5.30pm, he was just driving his daughters back from a cheerleading um, practice or something and his car was involved in a car wreck and he died there on the scene and right now his daughters are still dealing with the physical consequences of of that um, I don't feel like it's my position to comment further on what's going on um, obviously that's up to the family to decide what's Going to be shared out with anybody or not, um, but my heart and my thoughts and prayers go to that family for what they're going through. I, I can't talk about who Jamin Pugh the man was, only based on what I have heard and what people have said this week. I've gotten the in- indication that he is a or he was a great man. Um, a lot of people, despite whatever comments that he made in the past, um, gay, straight, uh, white, black, whatever creed or color or background you had, everybody had nothing but positive things to say about the influence that Jay Briscoe had on their life. And I think that speaks volumes about a person, especially this week, as not only did the tributes come out on social media, but this week on uh, various wrestling shows, especially AEW and SmackDown and NXT too. um, They pay tribute to Jay Briscoe either by discussing it or by the wrestlers wearing armbands. Uh, to remember Jay Briscoe. A lot of this has kind of gotten to me a little bit for personal and and fan reasons, to be honest with you. I mean, he was only 38 years old. I'm knocking on that door right now. Um, in just a couple months, I'll be turning 38. So he was not that much older than me. And it just it's a wake-up call that every day is a gift and, and it's not guaranteed to any of us as far as whether we make it to the next day or not. And as uh, they were mentioning on Busted Open this week, anytime somebody could tap you on the shoulder and say, you've got five minutes left. If you are given that notification by God or whatever deity you believe in. Um, So it's a little shocking on that front. And also, as a fan, it's shocking because this is Jay Briscoe. I've been following the Briscoes off and on for the last five years. Whether you're talking about current matches they're having or going back and watching stuff on Honor Club. And... (laughs) And this is going to sound weird, but with Jay Briscoe, it's just, 
he came off the character came off as almost indestructible indestructible you know um <laughs> the guy bled buckets in the last three matches that he had with FTR um he was the kind of guy that you watch and that had always the eye of the tiger looking at um his opponent like he you know he was getting ready to massacre them in the match and it's just a, a cold slap of reality that no one's really immune at all to what life throws at us. Um, I highly recommend that if you have the opportunity that you go ahead and find uh, the Pew families, um, GoFundMe. I, I think it's under a different platform, but if you look up online, the Pew family, um, that you can find the, the website that that's being used to, provide funds to the family. I think they've already raised close to or upwards of $200,000 at this point uh, to help support the family. Um, obviously, uh, the wife and, and, and the daughters, and I think there's a son involved too. Um, so if, if you are a fan of the Briscoes and have watched our matches in the past, you, know, um, you may want to consider um, providing a donation for a family that's going to be um, significantly deeply impacted by what happened here, not only in terms of losing um, their husband and father, but also um, what, what devastation that's going to have on, on, their, on, on the rest of the family. We still don't have all the details, and again, that's, that's on the family to share when and if they, they feel like it. As far as matches to go back and watch Jay Briscoe, I would highly recommend the FTR trilogy. Obviously, that's their recent body of work that will go down as the Steamboat Flare Omega Okada level trilogy of tag team wrestling. I don't think there's going to be any other trilogy of tag team matches within a year that will rival what those two teams did this year, or this past year, I should say. Absolutely incredible. Each match better than the last, in my personal opinion, with the dog collar match being probably the greatest tag team match I think I've ever seen. Um, I would also point any match between the Briscoes and the Young Bucks, um, the best in the world 2018 and the latter war match that they had. Um, and... Final Battle 2018, I think it was, where it was uh, those two teams and a couple other teams. That's another uh, great series of matches. For Jay Briscoe as a singles wrestler, I would point out that this week I watched for the first time a match between him and Adam Cole uh, from uh, Final Battle 2014. It was a great fight without honor. <laughs> it was basically a street fight. And they told an excellent story uh, throughout the 20, 25 minutes that they were uh, performing. So I'd go back and watch those matches. And um, even more recently, if you wanted to see how easily they could flip a switch and be faces or heels, 
I recommend going and watching the um, Ricky Steamboat's last match show because they did a match with the Rock and Roll Express where they played the heels in that um, in that match or the villains for those of you that are are um, less wrestling terminology literate. Um, but they played the villains and they, and they did such a great job because again you need the villains and I always felt like the Briscoes knew how to flip that switch. They could go from the good guys to the bad guys whenever the storyline called for it. Uh, so, and also it's another example of how in the last year or so, the Briscoes have been doing a lot of independent wrestling, both on um, independent shows, GCW. Um, they even did a, a stint on Impact uh, during the last year. Go find those matches and go watch them. Because when it comes to a Briscoes match, I don't think you're going to go wrong as far as what you go out and look for. And, and that goes for singles matches too. Uh, for Jay Briscoe, I just think you're you're not going to go wrong either way. So again, rest in peace, Jay Briscoe. Thank you for the matches. Thank you for the memories. Um, reach for the sky, boy. Um, and and I I hope uh, I hope that um, your name lives on forever as far as wrestling goes, because I'm pretty sure. It's going to, based on the quality of the work that you put in. Okay, um, when I get back after a brief musical interlude here, uh, we're going to go ahead and, and transition as hard as it's going to be to uh, discussing the Royal Rumble because this is going to be the last uh, podcast I'm going to record before the Royal Rumble uh, next Saturday. So I'm going to give you my predictions, um, and some of them may be completely off considering that a lot of the show still is up in the air. So uh, back in a few seconds, everybody. All right, everybody, welcome back. Uh, as we make the weird transition to start talking about the Royal Rumble here. So, the Royal Rumble is scheduled for one week from the day of this recording, which is January 28th. And, to be honest with you, the Rumble is feeling really weird this year for me. On one hand, there's a lot of things I'm not looking forward to. For example, I'm going to go ahead and just tell you right now, I could care less about the Bray Wyatt-LA Knight match. I think Bray Wyatt has been horrible as both a character and for what um, the storyline has been for him. I just do not care about Uncle Howdy. I do not care about the Firefly Funhouse, which they dusted off again this weekend. Oh, this week. Uh, and by the way, um, did anybody else watch that and think, Oh, Vince McMahon's got his pencil back as far as creative goes. Because the first thing I thought when I saw that being dusted off was, yeah, you're telling me the old man still doesn't have control over creative? Yeah, I don't believe that. 
I could care less about that match. And let's just get it over with. LA Knight, you're the sacrificial lamb. Um, it's going to be Bray Wyatt winning. Let's just move on. Let's put that match first and just get it done and over with so we can all move on. Or you can use a good popcorn match because, honestly, I could care less. Yeah. Anyways. Um, so you got matches like that. You've got... Bianca Belair versus Alexa Bliss, which, again, I could honestly care less. Um, they're trying to tie her up with this whole... Or tie Alexa up pronouns, pal. <laughs> um, they're trying to tie up Alexa Bliss with this uh, Uncle Howdy thing. Uh, whether that goes anywhere or not, who knows. It depends on whether Triple H is still going to have creative by Monday. <laughs> but I just honestly do not care. Um... Because there's no way Bianca Belair is going to lose this match. It's just not going to happen. So Bianca Belair will win and retain the Raw Women's Championship. And then we get to a little bit more of an interesting match here. Um, Kevin Owens uh, challenging Roman Reigns for the undisputed... WWE Universal Championship. I still don't think Kevin Owens is going to win. I, I highly doubt Roman's going to lose anytime between now and WrestleMania if he loses then. Um, the thing that's interesting is about how Sami Zayn's going to basically factor in here. Is he going to cost Kevin Owens the championship? Or is Sammy going to interfere and almost cost Roman the championship by accident? Roman retains the championship somehow. And then Sammy's going to get the absolute bludgeoning that I've been predicting for weeks now. Almost months now. <laughs> Again, I, I'm going to say Roman Reigns wins. I think he has the title at WrestleMania to face the winner of the Royal Rumble, which we'll get to in a moment for the men. And as far as where Sammy and Kevin goes, I still think we're heading towards a tag team championship match for the SmackDown Tag Team Championships between Sammy and Kevin and the Usos. Now, the rumbles for both the men and the women are where things get a little interesting. Because right now, there's not a whole lot of direction for the women's Royal Rumble. I kind of feel like in that situation, it can go one of a plethora of different ways. And I'm not too convinced about which way it will go. Um, there's part of me that believes that Charlotte Flair will obviously be the headlining female wrestler. There's also part of me that wonders if this whole Bailey versus uh, Becky Lynch storyline will continue on past Raw 30th anniversary. <laughs> and then there's Bianca Belair. Who's she going to wrestle? Is she going to wrestle um, Rhea Ripley? Is she going to wrestle Ronda Rousey? Or are we going to see a title unification match with Charlotte Flair possibly? I 
I just, I really don't know what to say here. Because I can see it going multiple different ways, but I don't see anybody surprising winning. Like, I don't see a Asuka coming back and winning. I, I think that ship has sailed. I don't see any other woman on the ones I've already mentioned winning this except for one woman. And if I had a dark horse pick for who's going to win this, this is who I would pick. And in fact, I'm going to go ahead and lock it down that this woman will win the Royal Rumble. Rhea Ripley. Rhea Ripley will be the woman that wins the Royal Rumble and will go on to challenge Bianca Belair for the Raw Women's Championship at WrestleMania. That's my prediction. That's where I see this going. As far as what Charlotte Flair does, I don't know. But if I had to take a guess, if you asked me today, which you're listening, you're asking me today, who's going to win the women's Royal Rumble match? I have to go with Rhea Ripley. I think she's got the momentum, and I think she can have a big marquee match with Bianca Belair and tear whatever roof there is in SoFi Stadium. If I remember correctly, I think it's retractable roof, so they might not even have it open. Uh, all right, they're going to tear the sides off that building when that match happens. I, I think Rhea Ripley and, and Bianca will have a great match. Uh, so that's my pick. Bian- uh, Bianca Belair will be defending against Rhea Ripley, who will win this year's Royal Rumble. If you ask me for a second pick, if I had to go with the second pick, I'd go with Becky Lynch. It's because if I see Charlotte wrestling anybody at uh, WrestleMania, I can see it being a Becky and Charlotte at WrestleMania once again. Now, I'm going to take a quick break here. When I come back, I'm going to discuss with you everything I'm feeling about the men's Royal Rumble match. Back in a second. All right, everybody. I'm back here for the second part of this Royal Rumble prediction uh, part of the show here. So here we go. We're at the men's Royal Rumble match. And this one I'm kind of up in the air about too. Just kind of like with the women's. Now, this one seems like it has a little bit more possible direction. But I'm kind of getting the feeling like we're being set up here. So let, let me explain what my, what my reasoning is here. The Cody Rhodes vignettes. Now, they've been airing for the last several weeks now. And this past week, they made the announcement that Cody Rhodes is going to be making his triumphant return at the Royal Rumble with the dream of winning the undisputed WWE Universal Championship and bringing those titles back home to the Rhodes family to show his father that he won it for him. Sounds like a great story, right? 
Why make that announcement now? Why give away that surprise of Cody coming back? Why tell people weeks in advance that he's coming back, make this triumphant return to finish his father's legacy? That's boring. If you think about it from a storytelling point of view, it's boring. It's basically telling people ahead of time, whoop, Cody's back, he's going to win the Rumble. That's it, right? I call horse crap on that. I call absolute horse crap on the idea that Cody Rhodes wins this Royal Rumble. Because it's, it's just so... Uh, so blatant. It's so in, in your face. I, I don't think there's much of a story to tell there. And again, I said this a few weeks ago. As much as wrestling fans love Cody Rhodes, I don't get the sense that the rest of the world feels the same way. To me, they've kind of given us clues about where this is going. How about for the fact that the Royal Rumble poster has blue lightning? Not purple lightning, not like Gong, Gong the Undertaker, but blue lightning. Signifying a wrestling that is, or a wrestler that is, simply electrifying. How about the fact that on Monday, on the Raw 30th anniversary, they're going to do a bloodline family reunion, basically, an acknowledgement ceremony to acknowledge the tribal chief. To me, I am smelling what the WWE is not telling us. In fact, you could say I am smelling what they're cooking. I'm going to take that walk down Know Your Roll Boulevard. And I'm going to hang that right on Jabroni Drive. Because when I look at the people that could possibly win this Royal Rumble, what's the biggest marquee name that you put in a stadium of seventy to 80,000 people in Los Angeles and say, this is WrestleMania. This is what storytelling is about. It's not a guy that came from another company and came back to win a title for his father after being injured for the last seven months. Sorry, that's not it. I think you still find a spot for Cody. I just don't think it's the main event of WrestleMania. Main event of SummerSlam to finally get that moment? Maybe. Build up to that. Spend the time from April to August or July, whenever SummerSlam is going to be, telling that story of Cody working his way up to finally defeat Roman Reigns and to win that championship. Then I'd have Mr. Money in the bank cash down on Cody and take the towel from him that night. But, you know, that's just me. Um, <laughs> because I'm a heel uh, in my heart. Anyways, um, I just don't think you tell that story right now with Cody versus Roman. I think you work to it. I think you do storytelling. I think you build up to it. You have Cody get win after win to build himself up. I think at WrestleMania, you do something with Cody that 
truly signifies a major win for him. The only person he's really beaten up to this point is Seth Rollins, as far as like a pay-per-view quality match goes. I am sorry that he suffered the torn peck. But, them's the breaks, pal. Them's the breaks. And, you know, you can't just t- have someone go to WrestleMania Challenge for the champion if he really hasn't beaten much of anybody to get there. However, there's one guy that can do that. There's one guy that can just walk right through the door and say, I'm going right to WrestleMania. And I want to sell the place out two nights in a row. People are going to be selling, uh, buying tickets and scalping tickets for the night. I'm not even going to be wrestling. And that man, ladies and gentlemen, is The Rock. My prediction is that The Rock will win the Royal Rumble this year. He will be the surprise entrant. Because if you think about it from Rock's point of view, even if he's not in ring shape, he may have to take a couple bumps in the, in the match. But relatively speaking, he just needs to be able to help guide people over the top rope. Let the other guys do the heavy lifting. So my prediction is The Rock will win the Royal Rumble. And as far as my secondary pick, if I had to pick one, I'd have to say Cody Rhodes at that point. As much as I begrudgingly would hate to say it, and I think it would be a terrible decision, I think that there's an outside chance that Cody Cody Rhodes will win it. And, um, yeah, I'd have to say he's the secondary choice. But to me, that's a stupid, horrible decision. And I actually would not support that in any way, shape, or form. Uh, I think you build up to it. I think you give Cody his roses um, and his due when the time is right. And I don't think the time's right right here, right now. All right. I will be back in a second with some final thoughts on the Raw 30th anniversary. And after I edit out a mistake I made just a couple minutes ago. Back in a second. All right, everybody, and we're back for the final part here of this week's episode. I have to be honest with you, I had to edit out my one of my first uh, unintentional phone pause here just a second ago. Um, but hey, it is what it is. Um, speaking of faux pas, I feel like um, maybe we should skip Raw 30th anniversary. Here's why I say that. I, if you would have asked me 10 years ago, would a Raw 30th anniversary have been a big deal? My answer would have been yes. Considering how terrible Raw's been for now pretty close to half, if not more, of its existence. I guess celebrating 30 years is, is a pretty decent milestone when it comes to a show being on the air. But it's kind of like SNL. It's like you have a handful of good years, but you have years where basically it was just on the air just to please advertisers because there's really nothing entertaining about what the show has become. And I feel that way about Monday Night Raw, to be honest with you. Um, 
a good portion of its run now has been mundane, boring, uh, uninteresting, especially as certain people have lost touch with what people want. And and look, I'm not advocating that the Attitude Era needed to be permanent or anything because some things needed to stay where they were from that. But I do think there's a good bit of the history of Raw that is not up to par with what it used to be. Raw's become very much a secondary show. It's become a very stale show. And to be honest with you, I'm not celebrating a 30th anniversary of a show that I feel like should have been put out of its misery a few years ago at this point. And, um, I mean, I may have it on as a background noise. I'll probably watch it just for the podcast, to be honest with you. Um, and just try to keep up with what's going on in the show. But I, I cannot stress how unimpressed I've been with Raw for a very long time now. Uh, despite some stretches of a couple months here or there where things were really interesting, I, I came to realize that as much as I would get interested in things, the follow-through and the ending of things when it came to Monday Night Raw would be very disappointing. Um, case in point to Kevin Owens' Chris Jericho feud, which I feel didn't have a great finale, especially once the Festival of Friendship segment happened. I felt like that was basically the apex of the feud. There could have been more to it, but um, it got kind of uh, chopped out from under the legs as far as... Um, really achieving its true potential as a storyline. If you're asking me for my favorite raw memory, I have to go back to a couple things here. I would say the two weeks back to back after breakdown in your house would probably be my two favorite moments of what what, uh, Monday Night Raw could have been at its apex. And was at its apex. The whole thing with McMahon having cost Stone Cold the championship the night before, and he's getting ready to declare who the new WWF champion is going to be between Undertaker and Kane. And Stone Cold comes in on that Zamboni, goes through the cops, goes on top of the Zamboni, and then Clotheslines McMahon and then is basically arrested and thrown in jail afterwards. The crowd is going nuts the entire time this is going on was priceless enough. Then you get to the next segment and McMahon basically tells off Undertaker and Kane saying he's not going to live up to his agreement and calls them a very inappropriate term <laughs> by today's standards. Um, and as a result, Undertaker and Kane just beat the ever loving hell out of him. And Undertaker drops the stairs on McMahon's ankle and McMahon just sells it like 
he's had the leg amputated. <laughs> it's, it's one of the greatest cells of all time. And then the kudos point for afterwards when he's in the, the backstage area and getting ready to be loaded up into the gurney uh, to go to the hospital. And mankind is there with the drink to, to give to McMahon to help him with, <laughs> with his stars. He's got like this Coke uh, fountain drink or something that he's trying to give to give to Vince. Then he follows through with the following week and McMahon's at the hospital and they have the whole thing with Mankind, Europol, and the introduction of Mr. Sacco. That's a great moment. And then on top of that, the whole thing with Austin in the bedpan Beating up McMahon with a bedpan and sticking an IV, you know where. That to me was the best two episodes back to back I think I've ever seen Monday Night Raw ever do. And it was just a crowning example of what that show was like, where you had to tune in every week to see what was going to happen between. Austin McMahon, and all these other characters I just mentioned being involved. As far as my favorite single episode of Raw, I still say August 9th, 1999, the debut of Chris Jericho, um, and all the craziness that happened on that show, if you go back and watch it on Peacock, that to me was my favorite single episode of Monday Night Raw, perhaps ever. That's because it had a through line the entire show as far as things that were happening and the storytelling was <laughs> hilarious and awesome at the same time. And I love the unpredictability through at SummerSlam because it changed everything about the pay-per-view that was happening just 13 days later and threw everything in the flux, which I loved because I love it when things happen that are unpredictable and make you want to watch week from week and, and, and see not only great stories, and see great wrestling, but to see what kind of chaos these people are going to throw at you. I get that feeling today with AEW. I, do, I have not gotten that feeling with Monday Night Raw or SmackDown in a very long time. To me, that's the missing ingredient of the WWE, is throwing in the can't-miss unpredictability. Not the not the sexual windows, not the, the high school pranks. It's the can't-miss aspect of the show that I think WWE has forgotten that it's missing. You can be PG, but you can still be unpredictable. Just my two cents. Again, I'll be watching Raw Monday to see what happens. Um, so this is it for this week's episode. I will not be recording another episode until right after the Royal Rumble, so the next podcast will be a Royal Rumble review show to uh, go over what happened at the Rumble, what I agreed with, what I didn't agree with. Um, obviously, I'll probably drop in a couple things about uh, the 30th anniversary of Raw. If anything breaks as far as the WWE sale, I may do an emergency podcast just to kind of give you my two cents as far as what happened. But uh, right now, the plan is plan for Sunday, January 29th. That's when the next podcast will drop. Take care, everybody.
tell someone you love them, hug them, uh, that tell them that you're proud of them. Just do something nice for somebody. Okay. Put some positivity out in the world. I think we could all use that. But until next week, God willing, this is C-Dub saying, so long, everybody. Let's ring that bell together. Ding, ding, ding. Take care, everybody.